You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Good to have you in church this morning. And uh, still a privilege, isn't it, that we get to meet as a church in our nation, nations. We get to be church together freely, and we're super excited about uh, as restrictions start to lift even further, that we'll be able to um, welcome more people back to church as well. Sheffield is doing well. We had uh, in Sheffield our second interest night just a couple of weeks ago. And more and more people are connecting all the time. They gathered in a, so in a coffee shop or somewhere for uh, Luminous on Friday night in Sheffield for the first time. And so amazing times that our campus pastor in Sheffield was meeting many of the Sheffield campus in person, physically, for the first time. And they're already part of the church. And so who would have thought that five years ago? And uh, People feeling connected the same in Cardiff. Great things happening there as well, and uh, exciting new things happening as well in September. We'll let you know about those shortly. Who's ready for the Word of God? All right, let's, get, let's jump into Hebrews chapter 6 today. We're part of the family series, and um, we're, we're looking at the significance of family from God's perspective, what God says about family, and from that, what we can take. And we can apply in our own physical families and also our spiritual family. The amazing thing about God is God always gives us more than we, definitely more than we deserve. Any honest people? Yeah. But He always goes beyond all that we can think, ask or imagine. Pastor Lee already talked about that in the offering. And He does the same with our relationships. That we can almost expect a natural family, but God multiplies and He says, I'm not just going to give you a natural family, I'm going to give you a spiritual family. And so even maybe some of us who may, maybe have lost physical family or don't have a physical family on earth, that God gives us a spiritual family. And together we get to be brothers and sisters, uncles, aunts, grandparents in the room, grandchildren, and we get to be family. I mean, I love that, that we as a church get to gather together, not just to sit in rows, sing some songs, listen to a message, and go home. But we get to look people in the eye, meet people's needs, pray for each other, have genuine concern and consideration for, for each other, because God has knit us together. You happy about that? Amazing. I don't know if you've ever bought something off Gumtree. Anyone? Gumtree? It's like the, I don't know if it's like the budget or the pretender to the throne of eBay. I know it's kind of nowhere near that level, but it offers things anyway, and you can buy them. I, I, a while ago, I bought a fridge from Gumtree for £100. Fridge freezer. I thought that. So I, I, I you know, said, I'm going to buy it, come round, bring the fridge freezer around, and I'm going to hand you £100 in cash. We're going to make an exchange. And through giving my money, I'm promising £100 value, right? I'm saying, there's £100. You'll be able to use that to, for something else in the future, whatever you want. And in the same way, I thought, 
through handing over a physical fridge freezer. This wasn't like an online scam. I could physically see a fridge freezer in front of me. I thought, I'm getting the good end of the deal. He's getting 100 pounds of cash, and I'm getting a fully functioning fridge freezer I'm going to use for my family for all of eternity. (laughs) Plug it in a few hours later, the fridge freezer is not working. Not only is the fridge freezer not working, the guy's phone number is not working. I mean, we all understand different people's promises have a different level of truth, right? Anyone ask your kids to tidy the bedroom and they say, I promise I'll do it. We all know, and kids, you might say the same about your parents, but We all have different levels and different degrees of integrity when it comes to making promises. We understand that. Even the word promise, many people in the room would define it one way. Others would define it another way. And again, in the 21st century, we see this this idea of saying yes, letting your yes be yes and your no be no. We see that being gray and it's merged and the yes is now a maybe and Hopefully, and one day back in, you know, at least 25 years ago, if you said you were going to be somewhere, guess what? You were actually going to be there. And now you've got opt-out clauses beyond opt-out clauses. And you've got excuses beyond excuses. And our promises are anything but. But God's promises are safe and secure. And I want to speak about the power of commitment today. We're speaking about, firstly, God's commitment to us. And then we're going to speak about how once we receive the commitment and the covenant of God to us, then that should shape and change the way we do every one of our relationships. That we can be people not swung by popular opinion or what the media are telling us or by temptation or any other thing. But we can have our roots established in this power of commitment that firstly comes from God and then impacts every relationship that we have. And it will impact in some way both your physical family and it will also impact your spiritual family, the power of commitment. Hebrews 6, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you do. I hope you read them in the week. Don't just listen to me talking about it on a Sunday or Lee or Lausanne or whoever's speaking about it. Take time to open up the Word of God. And this week, this is going to be a good place to start. It's verse 13 to verse 19. It says, when God made His promise to Abraham, it wasn't, I'm going to bring a fridge round and you give me a hundred quid. God's promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, God swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, there's another clue, waiting patiently, God's promises don't necessarily come one minute, and then you pray, and then magic, you've got a fully working fridge the next God's promises require patience. Abraham received what had been promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said, and it puts an end to all arguments when we confirm, uh, when we swear according to God's promises. 
Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath, a promise. God did this so that by the two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Verse 19, we have this hope, we have this promise, we have this covenant, we have this commitment as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I want you to think about the Word of God for a second. We have this covenant, we have this promise, we have this commitment as an anchor to the soul to make us firm and secure. Everything else in this world at some time will shake, will disappoint, uh, will change. And yet God's promise and covenant and commitment to us is unchanging. Whatever's going on and through patience we take hold of it. And it makes our life firm and secure. The theologian of theologians, Wayne Gruden, says a covenant is an unchangeable, divinely imposed legal agreement between God and man that stipulates the conditions of their relationship. I will give you a hundred pounds, and in return you'll give me a fully functional fridge freezer. Their conditions. And our conditions with God are not the same. We don't pay in order to receive a fridge freezer. But that's not to say God's promises and convictions come with zero conditions. They absolutely come with conditions. But God's promise is firm and secure. Through the Bible, we see the importance of family. And we've spoke about this every week of this series in the family series, that God's original promise came to Abraham that through his seed, he would establish a family because he wanted to establish a stable, secure, and committed family in order to create a stable, safe, significant society. And we believe that through stable, significant, strong families, God will impact our society. And so he does that through establishing a physical family. And also, he does that through establishing a spiritual family. And so when we understand the power of us gathering together and who we are as Audacious Church in Chester, and we understand we're not just a meeting of individuals who come together on a Sunday and maybe see the back of somebody else's head, but we actually understand we are spiritually a a united family and we come together because we are interested and integrally linked to one another. That you can't take one of us away without us being impacted by it. And equally you, whenever you come, you contribute something because we're family. When we understand that, it changes everything. And we have a stable spiritual family that then we can impact and create a stable Chester and Wirral and North Wales. Because people see family working through how God established it. We see that all through the Bible. 
He started with family, created a nation out of a family. And then God's language for us being connected into God's family is adoption. And we spoke about that through Anna's incredible story a couple of weeks ago. We heard about the power of adoption in the physical. And God speaks, uses that language in the spiritual. And he says, you were grafted into his family. You were adopted. You were given a new name. You were given a new family. You were given a new perspective. You were given a new future because God took hold of you and brought you into his family. This is all the language God uses all through the Bible. And guess who God is coming back for? He's coming back again for a bride. Speaking of reunification of God's family, God with his people, and he uses family language. We can't get away from it. This is the power and significance of the church. This is the power and significance of your life and the impact that we can have on society. And so I want to pull a few things out to help you to understand God covenants, God promises, God commitments, because if we understand them, it will impact how we affect our family. The first thing about a God covenant is it starts in the heart. God's word comes and it doesn't impact you externally and hope to get you internally. He doesn't say, hey, look at all this stuff. This is amazing. You can win this through a relationship with me. You can get this. And then hopefully, through these magical, mystical prizes, hopefully he'll capture our heart. No, God works completely opposite to the adverts on TV. God captures the heart and then everything flows from the inward of your life. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 says, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The reason we preach on a Sunday is not so that you just hear a message that's hopefully kind of constructed somehow and somehow resonates with you. The reason we preach is because we are believing for a transformation through the spoken word of God. Because the Bible says you are transformed, faith comes by hearing from the word of God. When you hear the word of God, something incredible happens in that the audible word of God pierces our hearts. The Bible uses language like a sword that cuts through every issue and everything that you've been thinking about this week and all of our circumstances, real though they are, when the word is spoken, it pierces all of those things, gets to the root of the issue and builds strength at the core of who we are. That's the reason we leave church and we think, I, I just feel a little bit better about life. Because we've heard the word of God, it's pierced us right in the core of who we are. And then we go back to our life and we go, oh yeah, for a moment I forgot about this real challenge. But now I'm seeing it from a completely different perspective. I've got faith for that issue. I think we can have breakthrough there. I think I can forgive now because God has captured us from the heart. 
He gives us an intrinsic motivation that impacts every external part of our life. This is the power of God's commitment and covenant to us. I don't know if any of you in your work settings or in any environment have have done a presentation or maybe teachers in the room definitely would have done this, but I know you've got like magical whiteboards now that do stuff. And, but, but a few years ago, you'd write on a whiteboard with a pen. This was after blackboards and chalk for the even older people. And, and what you do is get a pen and you write on it. And if you've ever done that and you've d- gone through a whole presentation, you've written entire like whiteboards worth of content. And then only to realize as you're looking at the pen as you're talking, and it says permanent marker. This is like the worst day of your life ever because you understand now everything I've written on the board is for good. It's permanent. And now you're going to spend at least three hours trying to work out a solution to get rid of everything that you've written on the whiteboard. In a sense, when God speaks to us, He doesn't speak something temporal that can be be wiped off through a bad circumstance, through a bad day or a feeling. When God speaks to you, He writes in permanent marker in your life. And whatever comes at you will not wipe it away. God's Word is permanent in our life. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you believed, you were marked. It's speaking about permanence. You were etched in your heart. You were permanently marked in him with a seal. You were sealed by God. The moment God speaks to you, you cannot have a other seal, another mark, because you've received the mark of God. And so when God speaks, there's a seal that engraves you internally. And now I am sealed by God. I'm sealed by God, the Bible says. The promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who who are God's possession. I'm so grateful that when God spoke to me, all I did was respond to that. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit permanently marked me with the Holy Spirit and saying, you're like that, you wait till the day of redemption when you'll receive the fullness of who I am and you'll give me the fullness of who you are. This is the power of God's promises. They start from the heart. Second thing is it builds relationship. God's covenant is a covenant that doesn't push you away. It's a covenant that brings you closer. When you understand God's word, and God's promises, they are not things to push you away and make you feel guilty, fill you with condemnation, think, oh, these things are unattainable. God's promises to us are all about building relationship. When we hear the Word of God, the first thing we do is it starts in our heart. That changes every relationship that we have because we're internally transformed. And the second thing is we understand if we've received God's promise, then the overflow of that is I build relationships. I don't push people away. I don't treat people badly. I do everything within my revelation to build relationships. That's why forgiveness for a Christian is not a suggestion, it's a command. 
Because our responsibility is to build relationships. And that's what God does when He promises to us. Ephesians 1 verse 4, God did, uh, decided in advance to adopt us into His family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus literally brought us to Himself. I think as John talks about the power of the word that God, uh, um, the, the word He draws all men to Himself. The original language is almost this, this picture of, of, of magne- uh, magnetic power. There's a drawing from God and He is drawing us to Himself. Whenever you hear the Word of God, it draws, it compels us. And the overflow of that is we should be looking to build and draw people into relationship. We should restore people that have maybe been pushed away through circumstance. We should look to restore and reconcile relationships. The Bible says if there's someone, a brother or a sister, and you have something against them that you should leave your gift, go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and offer your gift at the altar. The gospel is all about reconciliation. And so whether it's a spiritual family member or a physical family member, you should go to the Word and say, God, I need you. Maybe externally there's every reason not to reconcile. But when you have God's Word, it pierces your heart. And so now you're not motivated by their words, good or bad. You're motivated internally. Right, I'm going I'm to reconcile this relationship because I understand His promise starts in me and His promise always draws others. And so if God is in me drawing people to Himself, then the natural byproduct is others are going to dr- be drawn to me because God's in me and He's drawing people to Himself. And so I'm going to find that I build more relationships then I break. Third thing about covenants, got to go quick, is, is that they reframe sacrifice. When you understand God's promise, it reframes sacrifice. We all know relationships take sacrifice, right? Come on. Really honest people. Relationships take sacrifice. I guess the more years go on, the more sacrifice it requires. But we understand through the power of covenant that there's things that I'm going to forego for the sake of covenants I've made. And the Bible says in Romans 12 that in view of God's mercy, verse 1, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. See that? We understand God's promise in view of God's mercy. And the response is it reframes my sacrifice. Now, almost sacrifice, although it costs me, my first thing isn't complaint, isn't poverty language if I've had to give up. My first response is, why would I not give this up? Because God reframes for us what sacrifice is. In my marriage, there's things that I give up, not because of a, I have to go back to a certificate, Look at what I said and I just remind, what, what was it I said? Does, does it say about taking the bins out? It's not on there. Come on, it's, it wasn't on there. 
No, there's things out of a response, an internal, intrinsic motivation causes me to sacrifice a few moments to take the bins out because now I don't see that. I just see that as this is what we do. We're in this together and for the long term. And so we're committed to one another and commit to whatever it takes. And now I'm not complaining about certain things. I might do in jest, but I'm not complaining every day thinking, ah, oh, if only Emily knew what I'm giving up just to put up with this marriage. No, because, because the covenant reframes sacrifice. And that's why I, when I'm at church, I'm not complaining about having to serve. Because for me, serving is everything that I want to do. Because I've internally been motivated, it's drastically transformed the direction of my life. And so I understand the power of serving that as I serve in my gift area, I'm refreshed. That's a promise from the Word of God in Proverbs. As I refresh others, I'll be refreshed. Last week, I think we talked about the power of your spiritual gifts. When you serve in those gifts, you'll find refreshment by serving others in that gift. And so I come away refreshed because the sacrifice has been reframed by the covenant. And that will impact every relationship you have. You know when you've got a a relationship with God that's transformed your physical relationships and church relationships because complaint of sacrifice is not the language of people that understand the covenant of God. The last thing is this, and we've got to get home and have your brunch, whatever you're going home for. And then England, come on, did we pray for that? Pray for it. The last thing is that it creates purpose and momentum. The greatest things of impact and influence are not created overnight. Success overnight, get rich quick schemes. You know, you might win on the lottery once, but you'll be buying tickets for the rest of your life. And you'll be giving your heart for the rest of your life, more importantly. You know, anything that is about quick results in the long term is never going to be worth it. The things of substance, the things of maturity, the things of growth are small, they're incremental, they're not necessarily glamorous. Audacious church, people walk in to Audacious after 15 years and go, you know, it's easy for you guys, blah, blah, blah. You know, you've got resource, you've got people. Yeah, but 15 years ago, it wasn't because we were sat in someone's front lounge. We're working out what's it gonna take for the church of our dreams. And people as they joined decided we're gonna pay the cost. We're gonna pay the price. And today here in Chester, we're, we're not living according to what we see because we see the city of Chester being impacted. And we've not seen that physically yet. We've seen little deposits guaranteeing what's to come. We've seen a few bits here and there, but we've not seen Chester's all talking about Audacious Church and the impact the local church is having. We've not seen North Wales see revival and you know, in our generation. We've not seen all these things happening. We've got way more to live for. And so we've got to reframe sacrifice. We've got to understand that significance, momentum and purpose, it starts from an understanding of God's promise to us, that He's called us into His family. And so now what that takes 
is for us to connect to each other and say, our physical families, for us to have a legacy for future generations. What are the things that we need to do today for our kids and our grandkids to be able to say, we stand on the shoulders of giants? What is it for your three or four generations to come? What are those people that we may never see? I wonder what they'll look back at family trees and go, thank God for that people in 2020. 20, what year are we? We've lost a few, haven't we? 2021. What was it about that generation? You know, people will be looking in family trees in years to come and they'll see your name. Come on, let's do whatever it takes to cause momentum, purpose, to permeate through all the generations of our family tree. And in our church, we would say, come on, for the sake of the gospel and advancement, let's connect together. Let's build something of significance. It requires every single one of us to commit to the cause. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I just thank you for your church, your people. Thank you that we gather today, not as individuals, but as a family. And your word tells us we gather today as a body. And every person is a part, a significant part. If if one part was not here, it would not be the same today. And we thank you, God, that when we gather, something significant happens. Thank you, God, that your word has been preached. So we've heard from you today. We've heard your word. And I pray we'd have the courage today to be doers of your word. That we would live out what you've started internally. And everybody would see external. Thank you for listening to this audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. 